will. From a view to a kill. Pick your switch, crack the whip. The world is my oyster, no, no guilt trip. I just go with the flow. Hello, and welcome to Carnival Personnel Sideshow. I'm Jacques. And I am Ben. And I'm Joe. <laughs> and uh, and so, hi, fellas. <laughs> and so today we actually have a a guest with with a uh, moniker of talent, which is a lot more than the three of us can say collectively. Or modicum. Monica, see, some people can even speak English real good. Uh, so my wife, my wife, <laughs> management, many years ago ran across this gentleman in the theater scene in Boston. Um, she moved out to LA, she lost contact with some people and about three years ago, uh, our good friend, friend of the podcast, Sully, who lives for the band tragedy after years of telling me, you got to see this band next time you come home, you got to see this band. We got to take you to them next time they come to town. And so I went to see tragedy, uh, the Bee Gees, you know, death metal cover band. They're awesome. And we get into the Middle East Cafe and management looks up on the stage and it's like, oh my God, that is my friend Gene, who is the front man of a band that was uh, playing the same club that night and reconnected somewhat. And then a few weeks ago when uh, we were doing the Paul Lynn sideshow, I remember my wife telling me, oh, Gene loves Paul Lynn and was doing this play on Paul Lynn years ago. You guys should talk before you do the podcast. I reached out to Gene for some unknown reason. He took my phone call. We chatted for a long time about a lot of different things. And, uh, and with nothing else uh, to, to drag this on, welcome Gene. Well, thank you very much. I'm very flattered to be here and uh, really excited to, have a chance to chat with you guys. <laughs> so are you a writer, a singer, an actor, or yes to all the above? I have to say yes to all the above. Uh, I, uh, the, the Paul Lynn, Paul Lynn show in particular that we wrote, uh, I wrote it with my, um, I, I call her my, you know, my soul sister, my writing partner, my business partner, my co-conspirator, uh, a woman named Lisa Boucher Hartman. We actually uh, toured in Rocky Horror together in uh, Europe in 98, 99. Then we came to America, returned to America a couple years later. We uh, both starred in a production of Hedvig and the Angry Inch. And then we decided we wanted to work on something original. So we, we were both fascinated with Paul Lynn's story. So we, we took an angle on that. Um, also, I write pretty much all the music uh, that I record with my band. I, I come in with a finished song, basically acoustic guitar and vocal. So, and then my band helps me flesh it out. So I of course share writing credit with them because they're exponentially better musicians than I will ever be. And that's not my function in the, in the band. I'm there to initiate songs and sing them. Uh, and then also uh, I do, uh, I'm an actor. I've, I've done, uh, Many years of stage. I really started kind of late in my life. I, I didn't start acting on stage until I was 21. Uh, and now I'm uh, solely focused on doing uh, stuff on film and uh, television right now. I'm in, uh, you know, I'm in the union. So I'm in SAG-AFTRA. I've got a couple of things under my belt. Keep moving forward. Well, it was, I a, do really, it all. <laughs> it was a really fun story. Tell, tell, tell the story about, you know, what you auditioned for and what you wound up doing with the touring Rocky Horror 
production? <laughs> well, the Rocky Horror, uh, I went to an open call. I was at a wedding uh, up here in Boston, and I have a friend who lives in New York and had moved there to go to one of the acting academies there. And he just kind of you know, said, what are, you, what are you doing here? He's like, you're a better actor than me. You should be in New York acting. And I said, oh, bring me that, bring me the newspaper that actors find work in. This is back when you had to actually get it like a newspaper. That's how old I am. Uh, and uh, he brought me backstage and I saw there was an open call for Rocky Horror, the not the movie thing that I had been doing with uh, you know, with your uh, your wife. And that's where we met, you know, in Harvard Square. This was the the touring Broadway show. And I said, you know what? I'm going to get this. And so I went down there. Uh, it was an open call. I waited for a couple of hours for my turn, as every good boy and girl does. And uh, I had, I knew I couldn't out-sing or out-dance anyone. So what I did was I made a pair of homemade rip-away pants. And uh, under the pants, I had platform, like Nancy Sinatra, go-go boots, fishnets, a garter belt, a uh, boy underwear, but little black breeze. So it kind of looked like Frank and Furter. And uh, right at the and I did that song because I, I, I hadn't done musical theater before that. And I had really no intention to, um, you know, I don't want to grapevine and, and uh, you know, spirit fingers my life, uh, my, my life away. I just, I, I would never be any good at it. You know what I mean? So I just went in and I, at a key moment, I, I ripped my pants off and swung them over my head and, you know, started sashaying around, right, got up right in their faces. And I said, well, I, I got to go for broke. And uh, they asked me to come back in, do the same exact thing for the director and uh, the lead guy. I had no idea that the lead was already taken. So I ended up getting in the show as, uh, as the understudy for Riff Raff. I don't, that's how sexy I must have been in those garters. <laughs> <Nice. laughs> you, you remind me of Meatloaf, <laughs> right? I, I, uh, to be honest, I was a little chunkier then. So, you know, of course, we're all too close to ourselves to see it. But now when I look back, I'm like, oh, yeah, that might have been daring, but not sexy. <laughs> <laughs> and I was telling Biff beforehand, it was about a year ago that management, like, you know, stopped whatever we were watching on Apple TV because she saw this on Facebook and she played it on the TV. You're, uh, tell us about your hockey commercial because Biff and I met playing hockey 30 years ago in L.A. And that's, you know, I'm going to say all but Joe who listens to this podcast are big hockey people. <laughs> Players. Sure. I, uh, I got, well, um, I, uh, this is before I had an agent and I was still non-union. I, uh, I, I go into a couple of casting directors here in Boston a lot when they, when they, I'm right for the part, or if I see a listing, I, uh, answered, you know, a call, I signed up for a call for this non-union commercial for Bauer. Um, and I somehow got it. Like I, I went in and I did the audition, you know, you, you read cold and, uh, I had, you know, a couple minutes to study it, but the guy who was the ultimate decision maker, said you you read a line a certain way and it made me really it made me laugh and i was like that's the guy so the commercial was it's called play like a girl and it's about it's about um they call it the uh, the slogan or the hashtag is like the women's movement never stops and it's to celebrate uh female athletes in the world of hockey and uh there are some very 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 talented women that play professional hockey in a women's league and then we can get into the whole gender discussion if we want but this the message was it's the old thing come on we're, we're all roughly in the same decade you know you hit like a girl you walk you talk you play like a girl you fight like a girl it was it was always a put down right and so this ad campaign flipped that 
and use, you know, you guys are playing, that my opening line is, I don't believe what I'm seeing. You're playing like a bunch of women and you like, oh my God. And then I, the character, me in the commercial sites, you over there, you, you're playing like that move was this girl. That move was that lady. That move was this woman. And the idea was that I'm saying like, I'm seeing some good stuff out there, but everybody over a certain age and probably sadly today, people still use that, like be a girly man. Like what a shitty thing to say. I mean, I know it was accepted back then, but calling someone a pussy is the worst. Like, I don't know about you, but every woman I know or everyone who's got one or, or is uh, identifying like they have one has been pretty fucking tough in my life. <laughs> no, we, well, I would, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, I gotta say that, uh, so I I just love that. I just thought it was a fantastic commercial and obviously you did an amazing job. I mean, and because I'm a huge fan of the women's hockey, you know, as a you know, as a sport also, I mean, and obviously you're setting the, 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 the Marie Philippe Poulin's and the, you know, the, the legends in the game and stuff like that. It was just, I just thought when I first saw that, I was kind of blown away. It was just, my God, what a fantastic commercial. So, uh, so, it's just great to hear that, you know, you're, you're able to get that. And what a wonderful commercial that was. Yeah. Biff That's and what... I have been lucky enough to play with some of the best women hockey players who aren't women hockey players. They're amazing hockey players, period. So that commercial That's... really hit home for us. Well, I'm so excited to hear that because I will say, you know, they say never read the comments on Bauer's site. There were so many people that were mothers or fathers of, uh, of girl hockey players, girl athletes. And they were so excited to see that inclusion and that celebration. There's always going to be a few, you know, uh, white male fragile egos that can't stand it and whatever, but you can't give those people attention because they're, they're truly psychopaths, meaning they just want some kind of attention, even if it's negative. That's, that's really all psychopaths want is they don't care how they get it. As long as you acknowledge them and uh, you just go, you can't pay attention to those people there. They need to just go find a cliff and jump real hard. So, so what, 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 uh, let's, I, I'm kind of bouncing all over the place. The big thing is, uh, the Paul Lynn thing, tell the story about how that came together because you know, Kathy, who we had on a few weeks ago, who wrote oh. the book, um, don't, don't tell me. All right. You tell me, Joe. Yeah, Paul Lind, his life, his love and laughter. Right. She was great. And and you had when I reached out to Gene, he had already read the book. He you know, he's he's a fan. Tell us about your play, how it came together and what you did with it, because it's an amazing story. And I, I really need to see it in person. Oh, sure. Well, uh, it, I think it was 2016. We, Lisa Boucher Hartman and I had we've always we bonded instantly at that Rocky Horror open call. And then we both were at the callback and we were like and then we were both at the airport because you don't get the cast list on those things. When you get hired, you sign your contract, you show up. And we both happen to be on the same flight. Actually, we're, I think we we're all on the same flight. So if that plane went down, that show would have been screwed. <laughs> um, but it would have made way for eight more actors. So hey, <laughs> but, um, that's, I, shouldn't, I, I shouldn't make jokes like that. Uh, but, oh, this, this is uh, the perfect podcast to yeah, make jokes go like right that. Ahead. A, we, we appreciate the jokes. And B, no one will hear them. So <laughs> I remember. Go, for, go for broke, man. It's a win-win to me. Um, uh, but uh, Lisa and I, we bond. We just, we just. I don't know what it was. We felt a kindred ship. And uh, even on the flight, I think about three hours into the flight to Germany, we were both out of our seats because we. I just, we. I can't sit still that long. You're sitting in a tube with recycled air with a bunch of assholes you don't know, and there's never enough leg room. There's never enough liquor. You can't get high. Recording you know, it's in progress. And. Uh, so we, oh, I have to sign this. Hang on a second. 
Uh, got it. Yeah. I, okay. I'm recording on the backup. We got this. Got not a little a, editing for shock. <laughs> <laughs> not a worry. Yeah. Um. So we bonded instantly from the from the open call and then the callback and then of course we were on tour together. So when we came back and we we were always like, well, let's do something together. We uh, Hedvig was first and that was perfect. And we were probably aside from the first company that uh got the official license our production of Hedvig was the the uh first like independent one in boston and we ended up doing like you know in 2011 we did a we remounted it and did a tour of new england with it so we we were pretty tight and then we said okay let's jump into instead of you know trying to find okay what's the next one we're gonna do you know with a big cast we we there's something about the two of us just working together in a little you know corral uh circle our wagons and kind of you know hedgehog that thing uh, I had do- based the character's mannerisms on Paul Lynn for uh, a show I was doing with Ryan Landry. Um, and it, it just became such a hit. And I was real. So I started reading about the actual Paul Lynn, who I remember as a kid, I mean, he was, he's a household name and uh, you know, the Halloween specials, legendary, the, the, the Hollywood squares, all the one-liners. So I had, I said to Lisa, I, I forget which one of us said it, but we were like, this guy's, life is really interesting let's let's dig so we we read everything we could get on pauline kathy's book kathy is an absolute sweetheart and i why i like her book is i say this and i think i said it in an amazon review too it's it's from the perspective of someone who really loved him and yes forgave what kind of a a quirky erratic not the nicest person in the world but it's surely an interesting dynamic and charismatic one that's not to say he was a jerk. He was not. I don't think he was, but he was always also, nice to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's famous stories about cocktail parties where by the end of the night, somebody went home crying because Paul had just he went on the ramp and that's the way Paul was. And that's I think that's how he vented uh, his frustrations in life. But um, so Lisa, uh, Lisa and I saw eye to eye on the fascination with this guy. So I said, well, let's start. Let's pick things that we feel are in the public domain so we're not stealing content and then let's let's do some what ifs because let's take creative license we, we'll play with the chronology a little and and we we did this and we reframed it because a biopic is boring and it also doesn't happen in the way a classic script should happen you know there's prologue there's ramp up there's conflict there's resolution there's epilogue you know life doesn't happen that way. So a biopic, you have to tell it. It's like Pulp Fiction or I just finished Pam and Tommy with the flashbacks into different things. I, I love that. I don't know if you guys are. I thought it was going to be junk food TV and all I can say is, oh my God, I really, really loved it. But um, we can talk about that too. Uh, so we we set this thing the night he uh, he decides to go back on Hollywood Squares. I believe it, he quit in 79 and then rejoined in 79 so i said what if we just said it he's talking to us the audience there's no fourth wall so it's a bit of a stand-up routine and we said what if it's just the night he fucking lets it all out and he just he he's like i'm never gonna do that again and then he just kind of goes through things in his life that he thought were either exciting exalting ratifying or frustrating and we really we found an event in his life that we uh that I, I can personally say I do not know how heavy this was with him, but I know that uh, I believe Kathy said 
he said, it's the worst thing that ever happened to me. And I, and I knew it just reading about the event. And then, but back then there was no internet, there was no paparazzi. There was, uh, you know, it was, uh, the mid to late sixties when, or mid to early sixties, I think. I, I haven't looked at it in a few years. I apologize. No. Uh, but to be, you write something, you, you let it out, you give birth, you let it go. It, it's like, it's how turtles. I treat my it kids. Knows, and, yeah, right. <laughs> and no, they know to go to the ocean. You know? <laughs> um, sadly, my kids don't. No, I'm just kidding. I don't have any kids. <laughs> um, but the, uh, I really, I really felt strongly that this was a catalytic event in his life. And I wanted to center what we were doing and see how it fit into that and how it shaped his decision-making. And, uh, and um, I thought that that was an important thing to include and then to base it from there. And it kind of just took shape naturally. And then we, to keep people, um, to not end it on a downer, we framed the entire show with him in the Hollywood Squares box doing the one-liners because let's face it, of all the awesome things, everybody laughs at those one-liners and those are priceless and they were written for and with him so i feel pretty good about it and the writers have stayed pretty anonymous so i mean it's just to bring joy if anything if it excites people about hollywood squares again that would be great maybe they can bring it back again you know Mm -hmm. but um hey bruce valanche is hilarious so (laughs) absolutely is 100 thank thank goodness for those game show uh networks right i mean those you know, I'm, we're able to actually watch that on TV again. So and YouTube. Exactly. Yeah. So, so what? So yeah. where? Where did the play wind up? And I know there was involvement with his niece, who is runs this estate, right? Yes. Um. So we wrote it. We part of us figured because we're writing about a famous person that we can just kind of do it, and because I've read everything and it's really nebulous. It's like, it's this weird thing where like. They're in the public eye, so they've given up certain privacy things, but they also have the right to publicity, and we're using their name. So I said, well, let, let me find out who owns the estate, who, who administers the estate. And so I, uh, I, I reached out. I, I happened to find him, his estate through, I forget what it is. I might have even been through SAG-AFTRA, who the estate contact was. It's his niece, and she's a lovely woman. Um, we, uh, I sent her a copy of the script. I thought I wasn't going to hear I hear back for a few weeks. She called me three days later and was like this. I mean, I, I'm paraphrasing. I can't remember it exactly. But she said, I was very worried that you were going to write all about the salacious, you know, the dirt. Everyone loves to talk about, you know, oh, he went out, you know, he dated this male prostitute or he did that or whatever, you know, the dirty. And I was like, that's not important, you know, to me. Like that wasn't, that didn't define him. Those were those are actions you might have done. But she told me, she said, I felt, uh, I feel like you've written a serious play about his life. And then I said, well, the, our approach, and, and this was the, the mantra or the banner over which we entered the door to write. And we said, Paul Lynn's number one frustration was he never was given a serious role to do. Everyone wanted the voice, you know, <laughs> and they didn't write. And, and he was capable of so much more. He was heralded as an actor in his college days. And he was capable of it, but they wanted that personality. You know, they wanted him to, they didn't allow him to make the Tom Hanks jump. You know, I feel similarly about Jim Carrey. Like he's, he's made attempts, but everybody wants, you know, early Jim Carrey and it's, he's capable of so much more. Um, And so I said, 
let's look at this script as Paul was frustrated that he didn't have a serious role, but his life was a serious role. The, the way he treated his life, the way he valued his craft and, and what he did and everything was, was so, so serious and so dramatic. And there were funny moments, you know, there are funny moments, there are sad moments. And, uh, it had to be pretty, you know, pretty heavy, but that's where we approached it from a series. And, and um, his niece agreed with us. We signed it. We signed a, an agreement together uh, and we launched the show at a, uh, a fringe festival up in Portland. I think it's called Port Fringe. It's a uh, fringe theater festival. We did it, uh, I think, three nights there. I, I'm guess I, I'm using my memory, so I apologize. I don't have notes. <laughs> um and I, I remember after every show, there would be a crowd of people over 50 waiting to meet me because they were fascinated. They all grew up on Paul Lind and they had no idea, you know, so we would have like a postmortem every night with these folks. So then a few months later, we, we relaunched the show in Boston. We only really got to do a weekend in. We, um, we had several communications with a, uh, an individual who uh, claimed to have the exclusive rights to use the Paul Lynn name and portray him in a, in a live theater capacity. We kept asking for proof and we weren't given the proof. So we just proceeded with good faith because we had an agreement. And finally, we were allowed vision into the agreement that they had signed with the estate and the estate was, uh, uh, it was, there was some confusion as to what, who had like exclusivity or, and perpetuity, things like that. So, so we we uh, we ceased production, sadly. But yeah, you sounds, never know what the future. <laughs> yeah, that's terrible. It sounds like a like a real life copyright claim on like a YouTube video that you would upload. Like, hey, you know, I found this cool little thing, and I'm going to share it with the world. It's like, no, and you, that we we own the rights to that. And then sometimes it's it's at least you got closure and you got actual like verification that this person who claimed they own the rights actually did have the rights to it. Because sometimes people can just come out of the blue. And just, you know, stake their flag in that, you know, and then they just have the legal know-how to kind of tie you up so that you can't continue with your project. But, um, yeah, is, it's, it's, is it stinks. There a, is there a chance to seize the light of day? I mean, how long does, do they have the option for? Uh, as far as I knew, it's, it, as I've read, it's in perpetuity. So unless, I, I, I will say this. It's a, the person's very successful at what they did and, and where they're going with it. I, I always wish them well. I would love to see the opportunity for a sub-licensing deal if we have to go through them at some point. I'm not, I'm not um, uh, what do you call it? I'm not uh, Litigious. opposed to anything oh. like that. I would love to work with them. I, I, I can honestly look in the mirror and look myself in the eye and say, did I do everything above board and proper to try to make this work. And I did. And Lisa and I both did. And uh, so sadly, they, uh, they didn't want to work with us. I don't know if things will change in the future. I would love that. Um, and but the next time we go to make a go in anything, it won't be me reaching out. It's going to be my lawyer. Mm. That sounds like a tragedy. Not Speaking of tragedy, <laughs> go ahead. Uh, hey, I like I like your segue. <laughs> yeah, you got another show coming up with with these guys. When when is that show? Is that at the Middle East as well? It is. It's actually uh, it's the old TT the Bears place. Oh. Uh, the um, the brothers who own the Middle East, the family that owns the Middle East, purchased that, and now it is it has been rechristened as a place called Sonia S O N I A. And uh, they they went in and they remodeled. It's amazing, and we are. It's bigger. You saw us, I believe, at the Middle East upstairs, yes. which is you know under two hundred. 
this is over 200. I don't know exactly what the capacity is, but it's a, it's a, a much newer venue. Um, they, it's, it's going to be amazing. Saturday, April 29th is, and we, uh, it's on genedante.com. I'm sure if you Google them there, it's on their website as well. They, uh, it's going to be an amazing show. I, I love those guys. We had such a great time playing with them a few years back. And now that COVID's, that's me knocking on wood, uh, lightning up and we're going to see the end of it. And, uh, I, anyone listening who wants to go, it's, uh, th- please look at the venues, COVID policy, do not trust anything other than the COVID policy, COVID safety protocols that are on the venue site, just because they're absent from somewhere else that doesn't exempt you from it. You have to look at the venues. I'm sure it's on the ticket thing too, but I say that a lot because everyone, there's always somebody with a hair across their ass about the safety protocols and, and I, they're beyond my control. I don't set them. If I had my way, you'd all be wearing bondage masks under a hazmat <laughs> suit as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Wait, wait, but can I pick the color of the bondage mask? I'll allow it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, 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 neither Joe or I like to leave our homes, but I, having seen tragedy twice and having seen your band, it, it's it's well worth the incredulous journey from Lowell to Cambridge to to see that. Now, do you guys get to? Are you friends with like the Booker, and you're like, hey, we want to play with these guys again? It, it can't be like just a coincidence that you're playing with those guys again. We uh we. We were chosen by one of the staff booking agents at the Middle East the first time. And then I just really, uh, there's a guy named Royce Peterson, who's a lead guitar player for uh, Tragedy. He's just such a cool guy. And I, I, I must have said something right. I wore the right dress. I don't even know. But he, uh, we, uh, he reached out to me a few months back and said, hey, we're coming back to Cambridge. Here's the date. Do you, you want to get in on this? And I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, I, I will say yes to them if and or when I'm at all possible to do that. I love them. It's a party. It is a goddamn party. And rock and roll should should be a party, as well as all the other it's, stuff you feel. <laughs> when my band was my life, one of the great things is we we knew that, you know, Chi-Chi's was one of our favorite places. But if there was a band that we loved, you know, you don't get paid much for playing, but you're saving whatever you would pay to see that band by getting to open for them. And so that was always like, oh, that, that's an extra 50 bucks if we open for Dinosaur, or, or not, never Dinosaur Jr., but a Buffalo Tom or Fivehead. So you guys getting to play with them is great i'm super excited uh so what is happening next in the acting realm uh i'm really right now i am uh i've been auditioning i've i i get seen for everything that comes through new england which is great i have no complaints i have uh i will say this a lot of people get frustrated if they, they called me in eight times for eight different parts i didn't get anything the victory is that they keep calling you in they know you're going to bring something there's no controlling the decision makers, the final, you know, the final people make the decision. So many times people don't get a part and it's not because they're not a good actor. It's because, yeah, we, um, I'm sorry, but you're, uh, you, your hair color is wrong. You're too tall. Uh, we really want a, a blue eyed girl. I'm sorry. You know, or, or, well, actually this, this part, you know, it, it's, it's going to a person of color because the rest of the cast is white and we don't need you. Yeah, it's a or, biopic on Martin Luther King. So it's, it's like, why are you <laughs> right. even auditioning, man? It's like, <laughs> why are you calling me in for this? <laughs> I know. What, what is that? What was that? I shouldn't even. Uh, Seth Meyers did a thing called White Savior and how all these people the try to write. The oh, my best. God. They try to write. They try to write these 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 empowering movies 
for people of color. And then they bring in the white guy to be like, you're right. They're right. You we're wrong. You know, it's like, we don't, we don't, yo cracker. We don't need you. <laughs> like, I'm so glad you referenced that. Cause, cause uh, my, my wife has a many boyfriends. John Mulaney's her stand-up boyfriend. Seth Myers is her late night boyfriend. And I right. <laughs> cannot tell you how many times we reference white savior. It is all oh, the best. The caucasity is real. <laughs> like it is, it is crazy. But um, I about acting. I mean, like I get called in a lot, which I can't complain. I mean, it's great. I have I have an agent in New England. I have an agent in Los Angeles. You know, so I'm I'm getting called in. Uh, the next step is to make the leap to like a guest role on a, a major television. I, I will say that um, everything I've done so far. Obviously, I, I uh, defending Jacob came out. Was it a year ago, two years ago? I don't even know. I had a small part up as a Chris Evans. Uh, and then um, I will be, unless I end up on the cutting room floor, which is entirely possible, which is why I don't, I'm not one of those actors who's like, I got into so-and-so, you know, like, because I'm at that point where when they're editing for time, guess who gets cut first? It's going to be one of the roles I'm playing because they may or may not be essential to the story. You can't take it personally. I got paid, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, uh, but, you um you run that risk so there's nothing worse than blowing your horn it's like counting your chickens before they've hatched you know you can't do it uh, now allegedly my character was my, my character's in the script for episode five of julia on hbo max um will how much of that ends up in i did a I did a song you know i have a, a singing portion in that that we filmed i have a little bit of dialogue um I didn't really get to interact too much with Sarah, but oh my God, if you ever, ever need to see Julia Child again, this is, she's amazing. I like just seeing her on set and, and getting the eavesdrop on what's going on. And then I just saw the trailer and I was like, oh my God, she's even better than I, I, I knew she was going to be great, but oh wow, it's going to be good. It's got to be the caliber of the cast. Julia Childs, the, the subject matter is amazing, you know, but um, so we'll see if I, if I, I hope I make it in because I would love to be associated with a uh, high quality product, um, but um, it's art people, it's art. <laughs> um, but uh, so that's, you know, that's in the can. If it, if, if it becomes part of it, I'll be very excited. And then, you know, I just get, you know, audition season starting up again. Usually, usually about April, May is when all the auditions come to new England because they want to film in the summer because our winters are absolutely br- brutal. Are they? When something's, are they? I've, I've heard think, that. Right? Yeah, LA's, I don't care how expensive LA is looking, it's looking better and better every damn year. <laughs> <laughs> worth every penny. So, so yeah. where, where can people follow you? How can they follow you? Is your music on like, you know, can, can you call out to your Alexa speaker and have it play your music? How, how can people hear and follow you? I really hope you can call. I had never tried that because like, honestly, I want to be like Alexa self-destruct. You know, I like can't stand the idea. <laughs> I say this, but I have an iPhone and I say, I can't stand the idea of something with a microphone that could turn on and off on its own without us knowing in the presence of us. But let's face it, our phones, those microphones are always, on, always because on. Some dude, somebody said, what was it? It was like Michelle Lee in my company. And then I went on my Instagram search page and all these pictures of Michelle Lee or something, somewhere, somewhere. And now there's going to be more. Cause I just said it again and I'm using my <laughs> phone to talk to you. Um, but, uh, 
Yeah. Well, you know, you uh, said bondage mask earlier, so I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Your, your feed's going to be awful interesting. <laughs> right? I know. Yeah, but like I say fuck so many times in my life and, and, I, and other various body part swears that start with the letter A, B, D, you know? <laughs> and I, I don't get pictures of those. <laughs> but, uh, well, I... I <laughs> so do you have not, any not um, from the search no, uh, any uh, specific plugs or um, anything like that sure I mean everything you can really find everything at genedante.com however if you really want to get tricky and you want really easy links I did the link tree so uh, linktr.ee slash genedante I'm honestly I the first thing I did before I got any headway in the entertainment industry was I locked down all my socials with Gene Dante. So everything at Gene Dante comes up. If you search for Gene Dante with quotes around it, you will get probably four pages of stuff of mine on Google. If you don't put the quotes, you're going to get my stuff. And then you're going to get, I think there's some video game anime thing where there's a, a Gene character and a Dante character. Hmm. I had, ha, had no idea. I will say that, um, it, it uh, what is it? If you anagram my name, it's Need Agent, which I thought was kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing! Wow, <laughs> great. And okay, so we we will post all that. Um, is is there a song of yours we should go out on? Well, let's pick something new from the uh, from the new album. It's called Deluxe. That's D L slash U X. We it's stylized. But we say deluxe, but uh, also it actually stands for the download user experience. Mm -hmm. And uh, so there are 15 tracks on that record. I would say uh, there's an oldie but a goodie on there, and it's called Little Bell. But if, uh, I, if you want something nice and upbeat, and since we're going out, I would say high time because that chorus is it's high time you leave <laughs> <laughs> nice uh, gene this was absolutely great uh i'd like you to come back on after the tragedy show so we could talk about that if, if you could do that um and, and joe you got any thoughts well i just have one question what does this mean to play us out what does that mean <laughs> i don't understand what, it, there's nothing i can't read it there's not there's no words there i can't right? <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. We'll do it live. I asked for this. Yeah. And I'll write it and we'll do it live. Fucking thing live. sucks. <laughs> uh, the, if you don't if you if you don't know what Joe's doing, Bill O'Reilly, when he was a local newsman, did a rant one night and Joe goes into that rant and every single time it brings a tear to my eye. Gene, I wouldn't have done it if I didn't know that not everybody in the world knows about that rant. Oh, oh no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not it, like literally just because they don't get the joke doesn't mean it's not funny. You're right. That's what it's, I've told. No, no, it's not funny. It's, on my stand -up. <laughs> it's not that I'm not funny is you don't get my jokes, yeah. man. That's pretty much covers it. Um, okay. Hey, anytime you can reference a freak out on tape by really anyone, but especially <laughs> someone like Bill O'Reilly yeah. get it because then it's funny. I've heard the Casey Kasem one. I've heard the Paul Anka Best. one. I've heard the buddy rich one. And, but Bill O'Reilly, because I don't have any respect for him. So right. I love to see someone like that. Go ahead, please. Here, let me keep handing you rope. That's what I'm going <laughs> the to The Tom do. Cruise I, one I, is one of my favorite. No, no, Christian, the Christian Bale. Bale. Christian Bale. Christian Bale. I, I'm, I'm a professional. Oh, good for you. <laughs> And oh. I, everyone was like, the big argument about that freakout was he was complaining because he was in such an emotional moment of the script. And everyone who's seen the final cut of that movie is like, 
what part of this movie could that have possibly <laughs> been? There's nothing in this movie except the word Terminator and the IP. There's no, I'm, I'm sorry, Christian Bale's great, but you, you can't polish a turd. No. You know, you can, you know, and, and I'm sorry, but like, let's just say it moved him <laughs> to a bigger house. <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, no shit, right? You know, the best thing about that freakout is an L.A. band turned it into a song, and it's just just so, 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 so good. But, Gene, this was way too much fun. Uh, I'm going to get down to, to, to to the show early on the 29th, um, and, and I can't say thank you enough, man. Oh, please. Thank you. I'm, I'm psyched to be on here. I, I heard the Kathy interview and I was so excited because I, she's just, you know what? Like, I, I hate to say anyone's a regular person, but she's still real. You know, she's a mom, she's lives in a suburb and she, you know, wrote about one of her idols and, and, uh, but you guys really, really handled the interview wonderfully you guys are a ton of fun and uh i'm I'm just psyched to be included in the group man i've been such an outsider for so long to have somebody accept me in it's just we like you we really really like you yeah well you know next time i'd really love to hear a lot more about the music aspect because obviously Um, you know that would be i I would love that because we got a lot going on with the album just it just came out at the end of 2021. We've got uh, three videos out where the plan is to do, we already have another video in the can with some nice. some really lo-fi special effects that I think you're going to get a kick of if you're a, uh, an old action figures, dolls, you know, kind of fan. And nice. uh, and then we're, the plan is to do videos for everything because we won't see vinyl for this album. It's a double vinyl. Uh, we're uh, because there's so many tracks on it. We're not going to see that till November, so we're going to be pushing something new out. Hopefully, every oh, month great. until we get that. Yeah, I'm excited. The vinyl's going to be badass. I've seen the mock-ups of the way it's going to look. It's actually the vinyl. The when you get the digital album with CD, which is an art book, we sell this high quality art book of the CD. Um, Forty pages of my gorgeous mug everywhere. Yeah, there's actually really good looking people, not, not me, in there. Um, but the vinyl. 15 uh, songs fit on three sides. And then side D, the fourth side, is actually a bonus EP of stuff we've never released on physical medium. So you get like six extra tracks if you buy the vinyl. And you can it's get kind that of on your website. Nice. Yes, genedante.com. We sell it all. Or uh, Actually, excuse me. Uh, if you go to genedante.com, it'll take you to H1 Massive, my record label. That's the label I'm on, h1massive.com. I'm on there. We've got uh, a growing portfolio of awesome artists on h1 massive h1 massive.com slash shop and you can see we even have a version of the deluxe uh cd art book and cassette we're calling it the glory to ukraine edition oh, where i great. i include hit i include a thank you note handwritten lyrics sunflower seeds a sunflower sticker and we uh once we're done with this promotional campaign we're going to make a, a decent donation to international rescue organization which is uh aiding ukrainian refugees that's that's our little bit you're that we're doing dude, for it. You're good too. I'm trying. I'm trying, man. If I if I can use my whoring powers for good, <laughs> I'm going to do it. Uh, he said whoring like a bad thing. <laughs> oh no! Are you kidding? I, dude, I am Mister Whore. But Trust you're an me, actor and a lead singer. That's just that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> right. I know. I, 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 it's all a big charade. Just to use the really pretentious way to say that word. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you so much, Gene. Little bell, do their prayers keep you company? 
little bell Was that you making noise at all the boys Coming then going down on first streets Little bell Guardian angel Smile Watching over the golden child Safe in the arms of past relations Little bell We'll join you soon, it won't be long When time's measured in oblivion Little bell Guardian angel Watching over the golden child Oh, won't you smile Watching over the golden child Now I never knew you, neither did he My future boyfriend I never knew he existed Till kitten faxed me his picture Was that your influence? Oh, was it your spell? Oh, oh, oh. over me the next time in NYC when I go down on Christopher Street. Little Bell, guardian angel, smile, watching over the golden child. Ah, 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 smile, watching over 